Hello, I am Sam Baxter. I am in sixth grade at Preston Hollow Presbyterian School. I came in second grade. At my other school, I could only read little five-page books with about two sentences on a page. It made me feel sad and different from other kids because they could read chapter books. <coughs> when I came to PHPS, I was very quiet and nervous and, nervous and shy. My teachers worried that I was too quiet. Once I met the students and teachers, I cracked out of my shell. In second grade, Miss Perkins taught me phonics, which helped me to learn the letters and words. The special reading teachers helped me build up my comprehension so that I could understand everything that I read. At PHPS, when you read a book, you get points for the AR club and you use those points to go to the AR store. In second grade, my goal was to get to the 25-point club. One day, I was so close that Miss Perkins let me read during the other classes so I could make it. Every time I got to a bigger point club, my classmates would be excited for me and give me high fives. Now I have 750 points, and my goal is to reach 1,000. is fun and exciting because I, I have interesting books like The Lord of the Rings that I enjoy. I don't think I would be able to do this if I stayed at my old school. In third grade, we started a new writing program. I could only write a short paragraph until my teachers taught me ways to organize my thoughts and give me interesting topics. Now I am able to write a huge story with many paragraphs. My classes are small and everyone is encouraging. All of this has helped me to be a more confident student. Next year, when I leave PHPS, I think seventh grade will be a challenge, but I will have grit and persevere. Thank you, Preston Hollow, for supporting my school so kids like me can learn to read and succeed. Thank you, Sam. We are so proud of you. I want, at this time, I want to invite, we have lots of friends and supporters of Preston Hollow School here. If you are part of the faculty or you are a student, a family member or alumni, please stand so we can recognize you. On behalf of Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church, thank you so much for this incredible ministry and partnership, and we continue to pray and, and pray for you and for a successful year ahead. Friends, it is fitting on this day when we are thinking about why care as a church, as a people of God, that we celebrate this important ministry and mission of the school. So together, as we pray and sing and we hear scripture together, May we be open to the many ways that God cares for us and calls us to care for one another. Friends, this is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us worship holy God.
please join me in our responsive call to worship. The world belongs to God, the earth and all its people. It is good to live in community, to work and talk with each other. Love and faith come together, justice and peace join hands. We are glad to be in God's house, to listen and sing, pray and serve, gather and study, care and give, to worship the living God. Let us worship God together. In doing so, we no longer allow shame or isolation to have its hold on us, but invite the light of truth to draw us closer to God's love and to one another. Trusting in God's grace, let us confess our needs together. Sometimes, O oh God, we forget people, or we toss them aside, difficult people, 
needy people, people that are hard to spend time with, and people who confront us. And sometimes when we do things like that, it's not really about the other people, but about us. We are uncomfortable, or we feel guilty, or we follow brighter, shinier people, or we worry about what will make us look good. We are in such desperate need of your forgiveness. We need to be forgiven for our sin, for our mistakes, for mistaking what the world values with what you value. Help us to be better and to see more clearly and to care more thoroughly. In Christ we pray. Amen. I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. Join me in prayer. Spirit of the living God, fall upon us in the hearing of your word. Awaken us to your presence in our daily lives, to the power of these ancient stories to reveal to us the truth of who we are, and to your steadfast love for us and all your children. Spirit of the living God, be with us now. Amen. Laura Snyder is an elementary school teacher in Florida. You might not know her by her name, but undoubtedly you've heard the story rabid fan of the University of Tennessee. And this young boy wanted to participate in the College Colors Day at his school, but he did not have the t-shirt that he needed in order to participate. So he took it upon himself to wear an orange shirt with a piece of notebook paper attached to written U period T on the front and it was affixed, and he came to school. And his teacher was so impressed with his ingenuity 
She was so glad that he came to school prepared to celebrate the day. That as kids are wont to do, they were not quite as impressed and they let him know it, especially in the lunchroom. So his teacher shared the story online and the University of Tennessee became aware of this and as did their alums and soon enough, the school started receiving care packages that included t-shirts and jerseys and baseball caps and all other kind of garb for the school with a logo and that sort of thing for this young man. That was a lovely gesture and it was much appreciated. But then the school did something more. The school took his design, his scribbled U period T, and created its own shirt modeled after his drawing. And they now sell it in their stores. And the proceeds of these sales uh, go to benefit a nonprofit that is an anti bullying organization. And so that, that was, again, a wonderful way for the school to, um, to respond. But they took it one step further the week after. And what they did was they offered this young boy the opportunity to be admitted to the school in the class of 2032 <laughs> if he so chooses to make that decision. And not only that, a four-year scholarship. I love this story. In the face of all the bad news that we all the troubles that we know of, it's just really good to hear a good word like that. No, I don't appreciate the, the events that precipitated it, but you know as well as I do, because you've been children too, that kids can be mean. And so I'm glad that it's turned out that way. Now, I love the response because it is all about caring for others. It's all about making connections. And that's what we're focusing on today. We're focusing on the question, why care? And we're looking at a scripture passage that is other than what is printed in your bulletin, because friends, that's what the Holy Spirit does from time to time. <laughs> we're going to be reading uh, about the same story, a uh, miracle story, but we're going to take a look at it from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Mark 1, 1 through 12. I invite you to listen and read for God's word for you this morning. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door. And he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves. 
And he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up and take your mat and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Why care? Jesus cares. Jesus shows us how to be empathetic. I'm going to talk about empathy in just a moment. But Jesus gets down in the trenches with us, down in the the pit of what we are going through. Scripture shows us again and again that Jesus cared so much that he performed miracles of healing. The reading this morning is a vivid example. He was following by, by, followed by throngs of people because of his teaching, because of his healing works, and because of the hope that he brought. People wondered who this man was and where his power came from. They wanted to know more. We can imagine that they wanted some of that power for themselves. In today's passage, Jesus was in a house teaching God's word, and the house was packed, packed with people. There was, there was a guy who was paralyzed and who needed help. Four others carried him to the house where Jesus was believed to be, but when they got there, well, it was a mob scene. They couldn't get anywhere near the front door. So they climbed up onto the roof, and they cleared an opening in the roof, right over Jesus' head, so that they could lower their friend down to be near him. Because of the healing power that he'd been given by God, Jesus made the man well. So much so that he was able to get up and walk on his own. He performed these kinds of miracles despite the naysayers, the the people who talked against him, who spoke harshly, This is the same person that we read about in Philippians 2. Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. One thing this passage tells us is that Jesus knows what it's like to be in the depths. But it also tells us that he knows what it's like to be a person of privilege because he started out with the ability to do amazing things because of what God had equipped him to do. He had a certain place, and yet he relinquishes this. And humbles himself for our behalf. Emptied himself, scripture tells us. He knows what it's like to to be a slave, to be the lowest of the low. 
This is where his empathy comes from. And this is the person that we follow and try to strive to emulate in our own lives. You know, as we say that we trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and as we say that we will follow him, what we are also saying is that we will endeavor to do his ways in our own life, to emulate him in our own lives. That includes caring for people. Caring involves expressions of both empathy and sympathy. I echo Brene Brown on the importance of making the distinction between the two. She talks about empathy as fostering connection with others and sympathy doing the opposite. This doesn't mean that sympathy is bad, but it is helpful for us as caregivers to know the difference between the two. If we think about situations where we may find ourselves in a pit, down low, where it's dark and confusing and scary and overwhelming. So we're down in the pit And someone comes down into the pit with us and Jesus stands next to us and says, Oh my goodness, you're exactly right. It's dark down here. It's scary here. I can understand why you would be worried. But you know what? You are not alone. That is the response that comes from empathy. Being right here, right next to the pit. The sympathetic response, on the other hand, is that person is in the pit. They're down there. The sympathetic person remains up here, looking down, hearing them say, oh my gosh, it's, it's dark down here. It's scary. I'm confused. I'm overwhelmed. And the sympathetic person is looking down going, man, you're not kidding. It is dark down there. Wow. I can't, I can hardly see you down there. Hey, hey, do you want a sandwich? That's, that's more the sympathetic response, not down in the trenches, not exactly the way that Jesus responded to people in need. Empathy is being in the mud and the muck with the person in the mud and the muck. Empathy is a decision. It's a conscious decision to be vulnerable with that person. It requires that we identify an emotion in ourselves that helps us connect with that person in the pit. No, we may not have had the experience directly, but we have a sense of how it makes a person feel, and we are there standing right next to them. Just last week in our grief support group, we talked about how people with the best of intentions try to make things better by saying something. So we hear someone say, I've lost my spouse. They've died. And here's the unhelpful, an example of the unhelpful response. Well, at least you had a spouse at one time. Don't say that kind of stuff. (laughs) At least is not a good way to start responding to someone in need. 
because what it does from the beginning of your response is it takes away the significance of what they're going through. Don't diminish what they're going through with qualifying your response beginning with at least. And secondly, don't try to put a silver lining on the cloud that's hanging over them. Because friends, we all have clouds over our lives. Whether it has a silver lining or not, it is still a cloud. They need us to be there, to listen, and not to try and fix with something that we might say. The reality is that we can rarely actually fix something or make something better simply by saying something. We've got to get down there with them. We've got to show up and be alongside them and care for them in that way. Arms length care can be helpful as a start, but it's not the only way that we should be caring for others. Instead, it's better when we have the opportunity to say something to someone, to say something like, you know, there really aren't words for this situation. I really don't have what I need to have to say right now. But I do want to say this to you. I am so grateful that you took me into your confidence. I am so thankful that you shared with me what you are going through. Because what I want to say to you is, you are not alone. And friends, that's all that may need to be said at that time. Because it conveys a level of care. Your presence, your awareness, that makes all the difference in the world. It makes a connection. And that's really, really important. Some of you know our journey with our sweet boy, Timothy Levi, our son. Connection is what has kept Michelle and Clay and me going for many years, especially since the year 2015. The phone rang on that Thanksgiving morning. It was light out, but it was early. We had spent the previous two days and nights in waiting rooms in two different hospitals where Timothy had been brought. Mr. Brainerd, this is Moses Cone Hospital, and we need you and your wife to come to the hospital. They wouldn't say anything else, but we knew that it was not good. 2015 was a pretty awful year for the four of us. That spring, Timothy attempted suicide in our home. He would do so more than once after that, before that week of Thanksgiving, when the clouds that had been looming over us turned pitch black dark and our lives changed forever. That spring began a month-long experience of hospitalizations and doctor visits and counselors, police and ambulance calls to our home. Add insult to injury was the in the middle of all of this were the ridiculous fights with the insurance companies about what would be covered and what would not be covered and how long our son, who was described as suicidal, could remain in a protected environment. And on and on it went. It was awful. And people go through this every day. Every day. Timothy was in pain and we were in pain. 
We were scared for our boy because we knew in our bones that we were helpless to reach him. Months later, in an interview with the Greensboro News and Record, I described this as Timothy's head and heart becoming disconnected. His heart was always good. His heart was always pure and tender and loving, but his mind betrayed him. We sought help for him and for us in every possible way. You know, at that time, I had been the pastor for congregational care at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greensboro for 10 years. So I was the resident authority on care. And may I just say, through this experience, I learned from that church and from others what care truly is. It was connections with people. People who showed up and just sat, but also did a host of other things that kept us going and keep us going. Alice and a whole group of other people showed up at the hospital that Thanksgiving morning, leaving their Thanksgiving dinners in the middle of being prepared and sacrificing time with their own families to be with ours in our time of need. She said, I will take care of things. And we were so grateful. We didn't even know what that meant. We didn't know what things there were. We didn't know what we needed. But she coordinated visitors and food and flowers and schedules and travel and all of it. For 10 days, she came to our home and managed a small operation of volunteers and the care that was extended to us. That Thanksgiving night, Chris and Kim brought a Thanksgiving dinner to us so that we might have some semblance of normalcy on that awful, awful day. The next day, the doorbell rang, and by the time I got to the front of the house, all I saw were two large ice chests. The right ice chest contained beer. The left ice chest contained pints of ice cream. Someone knew me well. The next day, a massive basket of paper towels and toilet paper and Kleenex was left on our front porch. Y'all, that's getting real right there. <laughs> Somebody went out and bought Michelle clothes that she could wear to the memorial service. There were people in the community who volunteered to be in the car with us when we had to keep Timothy safe to transport him from one hospital to another hospital, and it was a two-hour drive. Whoever knows that they may be called upon to do something like that? I don't know how many of these we have in our home, but a lot. These are, this is a prayer shawl that was knitted by someone at Westminster, and it was given to us during that time. And we not only received these prayer shawls from the church I served, but from many other churches in Greensboro and from other places, people in places around the country. And they mean so much to us because what they say is we care. We may not know you, but we've heard about your story and we care and we're praying. And so when I look at this these years later, I'm reminded 
that those people prayed for us and that they continue to pray for us. Probably one of the most significant memories of this time is the day of Timothy's memorial service, December the 2nd, while we were away. Our house was cleaned, our yard was done, and you know, in that part of the country, at that time of year, leaves fall, like a lot of leaves fall. We don't know that sort of thing in Texas, but it happens. All of that was taken care of, but then the most beautiful thing happened in the midst of those gestures. Another group of people came and filled our yard with luminaria. The, the paper bags with the lights, with the candles. And that night, the night of Timothy's memorial service, people came and they lit those candles. And y'all, our yard was this beautiful, beautiful expression of God's light. And it was because people who may not have known the right thing to say, they may have felt awkward about the whole thing, showed up, and they, they did something. People came from everywhere. And in the midst of the three and a half hour line of people greeting us, some of the most touching expressions of condolence were from his peers, Timothy's peers, 15, 16, 17-year-old boys and girls who said something like, Mr. Brainerd, I'm so sorry. I think about how I might not have been as friendly to Timothy as I should have been. And I promise you that I will do better to honor his memory. I will do better with other people. You know... For a year after that, I got texts from one single church member who texted me every single day to say, I'm with you, I'm praying for you, I'm remembering your family, you are not alone. A simple gesture, but something that I held on to and continue to hold on to in my memory. A group of friends carried us on our mats. We were paralyzed with our grief carried us, carried us from our home into the church on that day to celebrate Timothy's life. And we found a measure of healing in that place and at that time. We were able to walk. We were able to get up because we knew that Timothy had been healed. And we found healing as well. And we remain so grateful for it. In that newspaper interview, I was questioned by the reporter about whether in this, through this experience I had ever questioned my faith. And I, I eagerly said, Nancy, no, I haven't. I, I certainly have questions. I certainly question God about why, why. And I may never know the answer, and if I do know the answer, it will be at the time when I'm face to face with my Creator. And yes, I will expect an answer. One of the things that I want to encourage you today is to take action when you have a hunch. When you have this inner inkling to do something for someone, don't, don't blow it off. You know, those things are the easiest things to blow off because nobody knows but you. 
You may have this thought, oh, I should probably pick up the phone and call so-and-so. I should probably write so-and-so a note. I need to check in with another person. My encouragement to you is life is too short not to do those things. There is no harm in it. Jesus cared for us. Jesus cares for us because the Holy Spirit is present with us. And one of the things that we can do with that reality is to share that care with other people as well. We can't care for others if we're not taking care of ourselves. And so a pat on the back to you gathered here this morning, those online who are worshiping God today, to receive what God's word has to say, to pray in community, to sing praises, to be filled so that you can give. But I just, I want to encourage you not to be paralyzed by your seeming inability to know what to say or how to be. Just show up. Just say, I really don't have the words, but I want you to know I'm in your corner. I really want you to know I'm aware and I'm here for you. There is no one that is going to fault you for that. Why care? For me, we care for others because we need one another. God did not create us to live in isolation, but to live in community, to be in relationship with one another. It's messy. From time to time, it's really messy. But it's what we've got. In Jesus' time, it was really messy. My heavens, wasn't it? And we claim him, we follow him, emulate him. Part of caring for each other is taking an interest in the needs of others and taking action where there is the possibility that we might make things better. It is up to us individually to answer the question of why care or how we care. Ultimately, that's for us to discern for ourselves. As I end this sermon this morning, I do so with the the words of the famous theologian, Waylon Jennings, (laughs) who I was sort of reunited with when I came back to the Lone Star State. I don't know if he's a Texan, but I grew up in Texas, and I listened to a lot of Waylon Jennings back in the day. And he sang these words. Through teardrops and laughter, we'll pass through this world hand in hand. May it be so. All thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, having heard the good news of the gospel, let us rise together and say what it is that we believe. We believe that God is present in the darkness before the dawn, in the waiting and uncertainty where fear and courage join hands. Conflict and caring link arms, and the sun rises over barbed wire. We believe in a with us God, who sits down in our midst to share our humanity. We affirm a faith that takes us beyond the safe place into action, into vulnerability, and into the streets. We commit ourselves to work for change to put ourselves on the line, to bear responsibility, to take risks, live powerfully, and face humiliation 
to stand with those on the edge, to choose life and be used by the Spirit for God's new community of hope. Amen. You may be seated. Family of God, as we prepare to turn our hearts to God in prayer, I want to remind us that we have a practice that we share together. There are care letters located just outside of these doors under the windows. Please stop by and add your signature as a sign of hope, as your way of showing up to somebody in need. We also want to lift up today that we have 33 new members who are joining us. We pray for these members and give thanks for their presence. And we also lift up the family of Norman and Diane Bergen on the loss of their mother, Ruth, this week. Please pray with me. Most merciful God, in these quiet moments, we come to you trusting that you see our full selves, that there is nothing we can hide from you and there is nothing that will keep you from loving us. May the truth of your steadfast love and care settle deeply into our hearts today. As your son offered healing to those in need, we pray for you to continue to heal us. We pray that you will hear the concerns of our children who cry for the healing of the earth that you created from the very beginning. Help us to recognize how this is our common home. Give us wisdom in tending to the air, water, and the soil upon which we and all future generations depend. For it was in the beginning that you first invited us to be faithful stewards of your creation. Oh God, we pray for the pain that persists across our communities for the things in our lives that keep us paralyzed, that keep us isolated from one another, that keep us disconnected within ourselves and from your love. We pray for our broken relationships and marriages, for diseases and diagnoses still waiting to be cured. for grief and losses that overwhelm us with sorrow, for ongoing challenges we fear we will never overcome. Renew our hope that you walk with us along this difficult season in our lives. May we find in you companionship in your abiding presence everlasting bread that satisfies all our needs, and a sense of belonging in this family of faith into which you have brought us. We pray that you will continue to transform us as members of the body of Christ, that you will call and equip us to be the church in the world, feeding one another, caring for one another, and healing one another. Give us the courage to bear witness to the pain we find on the margins of society, along our nation's borders and in refugee camps, under bridges and on street corners, in blighted homes and housing projects, in our prisons and underserved schools and communities, 
and beneath the dark clouds that hover over our lives. May the power of your spirit redeem our systems and structures, awake us from our complacency and helplessness, so that together we may shape a world that better reflects your beloved kingdom, a world where your children thrive and all will know your true abundance. We give thanks to you, O oh God, for your faithfulness, for your persistence in showing up in our lives, for the miracle of this very day. As forgiven people, may we get up and walk today. And when we cannot walk, may we carry each other. May we be filled with awe and glorify you in all that we do. And hear us, gracious God, as we pray with one voice, the prayer you so lovingly taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, in Jesus Christ, we witness the heart and the care that God has for God's world and for God's creation. Each week, we are presented with the opportunity to give as a way of participating in God's healing and God's transformation of the world. This Sunday is the final Sunday where our Every Dollar Counts offering will go toward Evergreen Life Ministries, a program born out of the Presbyterian Church that provides unconditional love and care for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Your gifts will allow Evergreen's horticultural program here in Dallas to become a workforce readiness program for their participants. In response to God's generous love and God's care for each one of us, let us give of our tithes and our offerings.
Friends, let us pray. Receive these gifts, O God, and transform them for good in this world. May it be water for the thirsty, the gift of community for the lonely, and a sign of your care for all who are made in your image. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, prior to this morning service, elders and deacons gathered and accepted new members into the life of this family of faith. We would like at this time to recognize them and introduce them to you. And so our member engagement coordinator, Allison Cochran, will call them forward. If the newest members will just go ahead and start coming forward and line up right here, I'm going to read your names. And y'all note, we put a note in the bulletin, the insert that you're used to getting um, when we introduce the new members will come next week since we have a new format and it's a one Sunday um, starting point class. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read the members' names. Ray and Eleanor Baldwin, Whitey and Mary Lou Clark, Judy Iredam, Mark, Michael Gargiulo, who will be introduced at the 5 o'clock worship service this afternoon, Grant and Christy Entz, Mike and Kirsten Kerrigan, Hannah Leonard, Ron and Cindy Matthews, Chris, Debbie, and Lindsay Matthews, Robert and Amber Miner, Charlie and Joan Nye, Patterson and Hannah Perrin, Todd and Shannon Phillips, Robert and Kathleen Pritchett, Eric and Yoon-Hee Smith, Linda Williams, Lisa Williams in Abstentia, and Tim and Elizabeth Renholt. God has nurtured these friends throughout their lives and has brought them to this time and to this place so that they might know the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ and that they might grow in their faith. We rejoice this day in the gifts that they bring to our community and for our common life and our ministry together. For together we are all one family of faith sent out into the world to bring God's good news of love and hope and grace. This morning as a sign and a seal of God's constant promises and of the commitment that these new members have made to the life of this community, we offer prayers of blessing and thanksgiving. And so at this time, invite elders and deacons, who all those who are ordained, if you would come forward um, and find a shoulder to lay hands on our newest members and we will offer a prayer of thanksgiving for them. Friends, let us pray. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks that you are the God who calls. That you call each one of us just as you called Moses at the burning bush. As you called out to Sarah and Abraham, to David, to all those in a long line of ancestors before us who have stepped forward and said yes to following you. We give you thanks for the call in each of these new members' lives. Daily, increase them with your gifts of grace. Give them a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel, a spirit of care. Lift them up that they might know the joy of your presence now and forever. 
God, invite them into the places in which you would have them grow in faith. And help us as members to come alongside them, to nurture them, to encourage them, to share in their joys, but also in their sorrows. God, we pray all of this in the name of your Son. Amen. Friends, this family of faith are invited to greet these new members in a reception at the atrium. Let us closing him.
friends, as we have sung that this morning, my prayer for you is that you experience God's faithfulness in great ways in your life this and every day. As you go forth from this place, the peace of God which passes all our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of God's Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with you this day and every day. Go in peace.